We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Fires downfield to Jamar Chase. He's got it. Wow. Takes it all the way. DJ Moore has a pass to the end zone. Jonathan Taylor. Touchdown. Pass is caught. Touchdown. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Road of His Overtime on Road of His Radio, brought to you by Blue Wire. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter. At Overtime Ireland, and as always, I'm joined by Sean Siegel, my co-host here on the show. But today, Sean, we teased it last week. We are joined by a very esteemed guest. You mentioned when he was on with you on Stealing Bananas with Ben Gretsch a little while back that he rules the world, and that is Mr. Peter Overzet. Uh, Pete, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Um, you know, Sean normally doesn't say uh, things that are not factual, but Peter Overzet uh, ruling the world is one of the, his rare misses. But always uh, glad to hop on with you guys. Had a lot of fun a few weeks back doing uh, Stealing Bananas. It seemed like a lot of people enjoyed that kind of deep dive into best ball. I was actually just reading Sean's uh, first best ball workshop article up on Rotovis. So, yeah, I'm excited to uh, dive in with you guys. Well, the listeners were very excited to have you on the show as well. So we've got some cool content for both episodes. And obviously, everybody wants to hear us talk Zero RB, and especially when we have you on here. So we're going to get some of your Zero RB takes for 2022. Uh, We had Michael Leone on the show last week, and we were talking a little bit about some of these early selections. And it's been a little bit frustrating to try and execute some of these fun strategies early because I don't know. I mean, the, the quarterback landscape, the scoring landscape in terms of what some of these teams seem to have, uh, you know, the corners they appear to have painted themselves into maybe not that exciting. We were talking a little bit wide receiver apocalypse, but I mean, we know that's not going to happen, right? Even just in the last week, the swift rise of some of these running backs, some of these guys who were in the dead zone, you know, now moving up to push, some fun wide receivers down. I'm still excited to do some hyper fragile. I was talking with Ben on, on our live draft that we did last week. You know, he was explaining to everyone, obviously the hyper Rojo, which I mean, <laughs> that's probably going to be like 75% of my drafts this year, but it looks to me like the dust is going to settle back in the right place for this fun approach that we like to do. How do you see kind of that dynamic both sort of in the early going and and the direction you think things are going to take. Yeah, I think it's probably 
I, I do agree. We had a weird off season for the wide receivers through free agency. So many of these elite wide receivers, when we were looking at the first round and, you know, there are five, six guys that seemed like awesome picks. And normally you look back on each year and were, you know, collectively wrote <laughs> guys way more willing, you know, to draft wide receivers in the first round. But this actually felt like one of the first years, holy cow, we could have five, six wide receivers be first round picks. And then all the free agency news with Devonte Adams, you know, with uh, Tyree kill all these guys kind of dropping even if people are worried about Allen robinson i know some people were knocking cooper cup so yeah the landscape shifted and i think there's also a lot of uncertainty around running back situations and one of the things that always pushes up running backs is overconfidence in projecting volume and so i think because of the changes through free agency with the doubts with the NFL draft, how those picks are going to settle in. I kind of am just wondering if this is kind of a temporary blip on the radar and after the NFL draft and things settle and people get confident again in their, in their running back projections that, you know, the dead zone is going to settle as it always does. And we're going to end up having some good wide receiver values. Maybe that's being too optimistic, but that's kind of how I feel right now. Yeah, it's a case that it's either, it's one of the two. It feels like uh, maybe we're just drafting earlier than we normally do. I know, Pete, like yourself, we're drafting all off-season long, but this does feel like a little bit probably earlier to be hitting it than, than normal. But what are some of the earliest uh, draft slots that you're thinking about building zero RB teams from? And and what are those teams kind of looking like at this point of the off-season? I know myself and Sean have done a couple from as high as the, the 104 kind of selection. So I'm wondering if you've gone that high. But there is a lot of uh, kind of flux at the wide receiver position. And, and that's obviously changed things up on how you'd approach some of that in terms of quarterbacks, you know, retiring, uh, quarterbacks coming in, maybe not being as exciting as they have been. The second-year guys are already priced at quite high values um you know when we're heading in and looking at those drafts so what are some of the things you're thinking for zero rb this year and i guess uh what, what's the scene like out there for you yeah i i will say you know doing uh you know i don't know i've probably done like 25 drafts on underdog another you know five to ten on ffpc and i haven't done as many zero RB teams as I think my overall zero portfolio last year would lead someone to believe. And I think that's because of a few reasons. One, um, I do think there's some really nice running back values right now. Obviously, the the J.K. Dobbins stuff is a little murky with, with Melvin Gordon. I've been loving where ETN is going. You can sometimes get deals on DeAndre Swift. So I felt kind of comfortable um, snagging one of those guys in the second, third, fourth round. Brees Hall, another guy I know you guys are very excited about. I've been willing to kind of anchor a team with him. So I haven't done a lot of pure zero RB teams, but I trust that by the middle of the offseason and as we get closer to August, when all the running backs are getting pushed up and the wide receivers represent the best value at every pick in the second round, the third round, the fourth round, I think I will ultimately end up shifting my portfolio to that heavy approach. Because I know last year on Underdog, you know, during during the, the season, it was just like every single time I was ripping off True Zero RB because the wide receivers were the best picks. And I guess just right now, early on, and maybe this is kind of what Sean was hinting at with this feeling a little weird that I haven't necessarily always felt like the wide receivers are the best picks currently. Well, Pete, proving my thesis that you rule the world. So again, I'm, I'm not giving that up very easily at all. Uh, you have a spot in our current Rotovis staff underdog draft, which I absolutely love. You also have this sort of provocative wide receiver times three, then topping that off with Josh Allen in round four. So that's your start. You have Devontae Adams and DK Metcalf as 
some mildly controversial picks maybe among those first three wide receivers. That's interesting to see. Um, Metcalf there, again, Leone was talking about how that's somebody that he is pretty concerned about. You look at that, and again, one of these things about where the values are. And in a Rotovis staff draft, obviously, those wide receivers are going pretty early. And so uh, round three there, it's already starting to look pretty bleak. You know, I see Metcalf at that point with a question on the quarterback, and I'm thinking, okay, that's tricky, but yet it's DK Metcalf. And then you look at like the, the next wide receivers drafted, and four of the next five guys I think are borderline undraftable, like even if you got them a couple rounds later. So very easy to see maybe that's a, a tier break after him. What are your thoughts on this team that you started to put together? Yeah. So as you said, I mean, first of all, these in this kind of, of a heavy hitter room where we all generally think uh, in the same way about fantasy, these drafts are just absolutely brutal. And I actually think our starts, Sean, can kind of represent the two ways that you can handle these. Um, our, our buddy, Pat Corain, he often talks about these wide receiver heavy drafts as you're just trying to ski out front of the avalanche. Like, you know, it's coming. And so you just want to make sure that you get keep pace and don't get buried in the snow, or you can completely zag and go in the opposite direction of everyone else, which is what you, of course, ended up doing with those three straight running backs. I decided to take kind of the avalanche approach here, knowing the wide receivers were going to go fast and furious. And I just wanted to make sure, even if I didn't love the guys, they're not my preferred choices, or I could you know, get better values on them in other drafts. I wanted to make sure that I locked up at least the potential for wide receiver firepower early, just knowing how hard it would come or how hard it would be to find that in the middle rounds, knowing everyone was going to be hammering wide receivers. How did you feel when you seen that Sean Siegel had drafted three running backs to start off a draft in 2022? You know what? I think uh, I know there is still a, a crew that might be surprised by that. I know Sean's always willing to exper uh, experiment and I know he's not super fixed in, in any one draft strategy. And I do, like I said, I can, completely see the case for going against the grain in the same way I was trying to get three wide receivers that I thought, you know, could finish as top five wide receivers on the year. I think Sean would say that he grabbed three running backs that he thinks could finish top five on the year. And in this format, the half point PPR, even if he hits in a legendary way on two of those, uh, much less one, I mean, he's running away with the league. So I certainly see the case for it. The other question was, uh, you mentioned that, you know, come kind of June, July, August, that we will be back to the the norm, I guess. We'll have the guys on who want to draft running backs early. Those running backs will get pushed up. What are the expectations of if that doesn't happen? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think there'll be a natural pushing up. You know, we're going to see a few of these running backs uh, get pushed up. The question is how many, right? Because it was last year we had Najee who got pushed all the way up to, you know, like the one-two turn. But then it was what ETN and Javante Williams were kind of settling in the fifth and sixth round. So that, I think, has a lot to do with it because the fourth, fifth round is also, you know, previously been a pretty juicy round for wide receivers. Last year in the wide receiver craze, we saw guys like T Higgins and Brandon Ayuk getting really pushed up. And because, yeah, Javante, yeah oh God, don't, <laughs> don't get me started. Um, but you didn't see like ETN and Javante jump those guys. Um, people were so wide receiver thirsty. So I think it has a lot to do with the dynamics this year. And, if Sean's thesis ends up, you know, proving correct and the masses kind of agree, maybe we do see those running backs get pushed up ahead in the fourth, fifth round, get more of a true dead zone. 
And then we have the wide receiver values maybe fall into the fifth and sixth round, but we are entering this new era. And I've heard, you know, you guys talk about it, that the way people are playing fantasy is a little different than what it was. And, you know, navigating it this off season and being willing to be flexible with how we execute draft strategies where we're trying to accomplish something, but not necessarily within the rigid confines of how we've previously been able to execute those strategies. I like that a lot. And it, Zach and I are doing a never too early draft right now. That's a slow draft. And those running backs, the Aaron Jones, the James Connor, Leonard Fournette, those guys made a huge jump and did push some uh, receiver value and, and tight end value down to us in rounds three and four. So kind of right back to the build that we love. So early on, I've had actually a little bit more sort of pure teams than maybe last year where there was such a mix early in drafts. I've had some of these hyper fragile teams with the crazy running back values. And then in some of the later slots, kind of like your drafted underdog, some really cool zero RB ish builds. And it'll be interesting to kind of track how that goes. You mentioned Dobbins and ETN, obviously some concerns with both of those guys that are probably going to hold them in this cool range to where I, Anytime a running back gets wiped out and gets hurt, I mean, that's one of the reasons why these problems with running backs exist. I mean, you're not going to win then. But if Dobbins loses some of his touches, if ETN has a little bit of a slower recovery, I don't know. If those guys are able to play, if Dobbins is still the nominal starter, if ETN's able to play most of the season, I just love the talent there so much. It's going to be hard not to, I don't know. We'll see how it works out. But I think the potential is there for those guys to be big league winners. The potential is also there for them to obviously just suck the value out of teams that had really cool four-player four starts before, before that happened. So, Pete, we have this question. The fans, the internet in general, I mean, there's nothing that's more beloved than modified zero RB. So I had a sort of a zero, modified zero RB question for you and sort of just definitions, right? People like definitions of these things. They want to feel very confident in, in what they're doing. So if you select Saquon Barkley in round three and otherwise all wide receivers in round 10 or so, do you call that pure zero RB because there's an obvious Barkley in round three exception? Modified zero RB, and this is a perfect example of why it works so well, bad drafting because you should obviously have selected Jonathan Taylor and DeAndre Swift as well, <laughs> or bad drafting because Saquon Barkley is absolutely done. So here's the thing. If if you want to get people riled up, you definitely want to include the term zero RB and how you describe drafting Saquon, whether that's saying, you know, true zero RB, modified zero RB. If you just throw that in and someone sees a running back, curious that you say zero running backs, and yet I see a running back that you drafted, then that's the plan. I think the the actual term, if we want, like I would call it, and I actually mentioned this on a show yesterday, I would call this modified anchor RB. Or, you know, modified single elite <laughs> RB because, and this was a draft strategy I used a lot last year where it's like everyone likes the idea of getting their anchor running back or two anchor running backs early. No one disputes that that's a good strategy. But last year, a lot of times we were pushing it and seeing, could we grab DeAndre Swift? in the third round to serve as the anchor running back, but we're going to load up with two wide receivers and just seeing, can we get that legendary uh, season from Swift at a discount? And so that's how I think about it is you're still accomplishing the goals of uh, a single RB at the top, but you're just using a little less draft capital to ensure that you can get some pass catching firepower. So I I'm going to go with, I don't know if this is a new term, but modified anchor RB. 
if we can get anything with uh, modified in it, I'm a big fan. Really enjoy <laughs> the, the modified zero RB talk. So I'll be on board with that one. Hey, Rotoviz fans. This is Dave Cabin from the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Podcast, taking a minute to let you know that as a loyal Rotoviz listener, you can get 10% off a one year subscription when you use the promo code RVRADIO2022 at checkout. It gives you full access to all of our content and tools. And again, that's RVRADIO2022 at checkout for 10% off a one year Rotoviz subscription. Enjoy the podcast. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, moving into some zero RB targets for 2022, the listeners will want to know who we're targeting. Last year, my favorite player, I thought at one point I had overdrafted him, was uh, James Conner. Both him and Leonard Fournette are, as Sean quoted here, have gone to the land of overpriced toys. Uh, it sounds like something out of Toy Story, but uh, who, who are kind of round 8 to 12 backs to build out a zero RB draft. Then we're looking at guys like Penny, who we're obviously big fans of, who came through strong last year. We have Devin Singletary as well, who's a relatively good value. How should we see them after those blazing finishes that we had? Can they start the season like that, or are, are they starting to get a little bit too expensive, even at their current spots? To me, those guys you mentioned, they look attractive at their current price because, I don't know, tell me if you think I'm wrong, but in different you know years of playing fantasy, Penny and Singletary coming off of their seasons and specifically really hot finishes, we know how much recency bias kind of drives next year ADP. Like I'm kind of shocked that those guys aren't fifth, sixth round ADPs right now. And so the fact that the market is, you know, rightfully being cautious about their spots, but in a way they wouldn't have, you know, in years previous to me, I, I don't mind those guys there. And I actually think that range you mentioned eighth, ninth, 10th, 11th round, you know, I'm looking at an FFPC board right now. Those guys are nice. Even Kareem hunt, you know, going in the eighth round of a recent, never too early draft. You know, he was a guy that was routinely going in the fifth and sixth round last year in the off season. So yeah, a lot of these guys that, you know, whether through their pass catching upside or just their route to leading 
you know, a prolific rushing attack in Penny's case. I, I think they, they are all really nice picks. And it's another reason why I feel so comfortable kind of hammering, you know, wide receivers through the fifth, sixth and seventh rounds, just knowing that those guys are there. Yeah, they really feel like the guys when we touched on earlier in the show that we could see come August, those guys get steamed up draft boards, particularly if the Bills don't draft a running back. We'll see Singletary move quite considerably, I think. So it's going to be interesting to see the situation around Carson and the Seahawks, along with Penny, and then obviously Singletary. The other situation that is Sean's monitoring very closely as a Chiefs fan, and obviously we're all Ronald Jones fans. That's We're part of that club, and we, we cannot leave. But uh, you, you took CEH uh on underdog and that recent draft that sean mentioned should we be taking him as a target over rojo is there hope that rojo can break out this year or should we have faith that it might eventually happen for ceh yeah and so this pick is what this isn't the funnest answer but it's like this is my only share of ceh it was also until the other day to my only elijah mitchell share because these guys normally go much higher than I'm willing to take. Then you get Norotovis, friends and family draft, and they're dropping 20, 30, 40 picks past ADP. I start to be like, okay, maybe this is my chance to get my exposure to these guys there. So yeah, I mean, I I think I'm going to end up having way more Rojo this season just because I assume he's going to be the cheaper of the two. Maybe, you know, steam and sentiment will change on that. But I, I like the idea of taking the cheaper of the Chiefs running backs. However, in this spot, do I think the actual probabilities of Ronald Jones, you know, being the lead back there are, are that much greater than CH? I don't. I think it's probably closer to a coin flip. So in a spot like this, if I can play the other side of the coin flip um, in a cost-effective way, I, I was happy to do that there. Yeah, I thought you were going to say that you were going to have more Ronald Jones this year because you're drafting with Pat Curry most of the time, but uh, <laughs> I thought that would be the other reason. Yes, uh, I that's too. I mean, when, when you have a highlight clip for a player that also tends to drive us to drafting them because then people want to see the highlight clip. So when you don't know who to draft, you just say, who do we have highlight clips for? We'll just draft them. Yeah. We, you have to give the people what they want, but uh, the other place to look is, is Miami um, seems to have got a little bit of quiet around Miami. Obviously kind of this time last year, there was a lot of talk around the wide receivers and Will Fuller had went there and things like that, but we're really looking at the running backs and how to play them this year. Is there anyone exciting you in that Miami backfield? Yeah, I mean, another guy in that range who I've ended up with a lot is Chase Edmonds. And, you know, early in the offseason, before the Chase Edmonds news, I was drafting a ton of Mostert late in the 17th, 18th round, just kind of, you know, still believing in his talent and that he would get another shot somewhere. And I just kind of, you know, it's rare for that archetype that you're excited about, who's a older injury prone late round guy. But if there's still, you know, if he's even 80, 85% of what he was from like a, a speed perspective, I still think there was juice in the tank, but I'm kind of surprised that when you look at the ADP, that the fact that Mostert is still hanging, you know, 14th, 15th round, I would have assumed then that meant Chase Edmonds was going in the seventh, eighth round. And that hasn't really been the case. It seems like there's massive uncertainty from drafters for this entire Miami backfield. And I kind of like the discount you're getting on Chase Edmonds. Now, I know you're routinely in this draft. He went in the 11th. And I don't even think that's too out of the ordinary for regular underdog drafts either to go in the 10th, 11th round. So to me, he represents a great value um, in the sense that I think he will have a pass catching role. And then, you know, in those situations where if Mostert, gets hurt or Gaskin is hurt, you know, I think Chase Edmonds could take on an expanded role. So I kind of like that hybrid. Hey, he'll, he'll get us some usable scores right out of the gate. And then also hopefully a little contingent upside as well.
we did mention rojo two other players that kind of fall into that bracket over the last couple of years that we're hoping for that breakout but it hasn't really happened naheem hines more so that jonathan taylor is now there and in, indianapolis but uh the other one is Pollard with the Dallas Cowboys, and that there's a situation where Ezekiel Elliott is now dropping down draft boards into a place where maybe we thought he should have probably been going this time last year, but the market has reacted. But I don't know if we can have that full faith that uh, Tony Pollard is going to eventually have that breakout that we really hope. How are you looking at the likes of Hines and, and Pollard as we head into the season? Are they viable zero RB candidates for you? Yeah, I think they are. I mean, I guess I would say the difference between Pollard and Hines is there is a pretty big gap, you know, between their ADPs. You can look at our road of his underdog draft. I mean, Pollard went to Drico uh, beginning of the or into the ninth round, and then Naheem Hines went in the 15th round. So pretty big gap there. I think what's one of the subplots to drafting this year that I'm going to be cur- really curious to see how it plays out is how people think of these um, pass catching archetype backs because they had been kind of a bedrock of, you know, zero RB portfolios where, you know, you're grabbing some of your rookies, you're grabbing some of your pure handcuffs, but you need some of these usable weeks at the start of the season. And that would often come via your JD McKissick's, your Naheem Hines's. Last year, I felt like that archetype kind of cratered in a way that a lot of people felt burned. And, you know, this year I'm kind of wondering, are we going to get a really nice discount on these guys? I mean, even players like Darrington Evans last year, our, our friend Eric Bimefor kind of memed him into a, a much more expensive pick, but it was because you were selling yourself on that pass catching upside there. So, you know, seeing Hines in the 15th, I, I'm still feel very, confident in him as a player in that offense. I think Matt Ryan will be pretty friendly as far as a check down quarterback. So yeah, I'm ready to go back to the well on these guys and and kind of excited that we're going to get a little bit more of a pass catching discount than me. We maybe would have gotten in other years. What about the, like the massive, massive league winners where, you know, you look at Penny who had, you know, this just white hot run, at the end of the season uh, he was a little bit more expensive at times obviously you know again in training camp you know struggling with those injuries they had some other guys like alex collins who were looking pretty good kept him very inexpensive even during the time period where you know you had that kind of perfect group of backs that throughout the majority of draft season were pretty affordable and then right when you get into august these guys are going in rounds 11 or 12. Now there are some specific weeks where Penny was expensive too, but then you have someone like Cordero Patterson who was absolutely free, right? You have this guy who is big, extremely athletic, this pass catching back, but because the NFL hadn't you know, used that in any way, shape or form for a decade, there was no reason to believe that suddenly that was going to happen. And it did. So kind of an unfair question, because obviously if we could see these things coming, then these people wouldn't be priced there. But do you have some guys do you like just extremely late? Do you think not only could be useful, but could actually be just monster league winners? And when I kind of look through, I mean, you, you have to to really squint or to force yourself to believe on some of these guys. But there are some athletic players who are really cheap. Now, Ramondre Stevenson, you know, not that expensive, but somebody who does kind of fit the mold of someone who could have a massive breakout. Then you've got some cheaper guys like Kenyon Drake, Chuba Hubbard, Deontay Foreman, Kenny Gainwell. I mean, you've got some real athleticism in that group. Are there some players 
you know, at the very ends of drafts that you think, you know, this guy could actually be an 18 point per game player, you know, maybe at least for like a, a five or six game stretch. Yeah, I've been taking stabs on on different types of players. Uh, obviously, been mixing in a decent bit of the rookies. I love that nugget that you passed along from Blair Andrews of saying upside is basically just a euphemism for how many uh, uh, rookies you've drafted. So I've been very conscious of making sure I'm sprinkling in those guys, even if I don't, you know, have a good grasp on on their situation or even what they are uh, potentially as as prospects, but. I, I think some of the other types of players I've been looking at that could fit that mold would be, you know, who are bounce back guys that had a rough year, but are still in potentially juicy situations. Trey Sermon has been a guy I've been willing to take stabs on, um, knowing that the draft capital and the interest was there from the 49ers. We've seen over and over their willingness to plug and play random running backs and have a lot of success. And I certainly prefer Eli Mitchell straight up. I don't know how you couldn't, but whether between injuries or things getting shuffled, um, I think there's still, you know, a little hope I'm leaving a candle on for Trey Sermon. And if you told me that, you know, he finished as the lead back for the 49ers this year, I think you'd probably be a little stubborn to, to say you were surprised. I think that's within the range of outcomes, even if it's a, a, a lesser percentage. And then, you know, I have been taking some of these, you know, what I would consider true handcuffs that I think could have massive upside. Deontay Foreman is one, you know, if, if we think that he does have the number two job there ahead of Chuba Hubbard, who's fallen out of favor, um, we've seen it. Why are people so afraid to draft McCaffrey this year? And why is he sliding to one, four, one, five? Sometimes it's because of that injury risk. And if that is true, then you would think on the flip side, Deontay Foreman would have a little bit more rich of an ADP with people trying to capture that upside. And I thought he looked good last year when he filled in for Derrick Henry. And I know we're not super excited on the Panthers offense as a whole, but I feel pretty good about what Foreman could do with, you know, 15 plus touches a game. So yeah, I'd say that kind of buy low guys, some true handcuff guys, and, uh, and then just praying that that we're right. <laughs> And you mentioned the the rookies and, you know, in many ways, we don't even know who they are yet. But who are some of the names that you like to, to get in there, even if you're not 100% sure about the player? Yeah, and I'll be completely honest here. I am not super uh, in the prospect weeds yet. I've been reading your guys' stuff, you know, of course, hearing what, what Gretch and Corrine and Davis are saying. But honestly, I've been taking a bit of, I guess you would say, like a price-sensitive spray-and-pray approach in that, you know, some of these rookies have become buzzy and trendy and have gotten pushed up. Um, and then wondering, are they actually that different from some of the cheaper guys? So, you know, I've been taking, uh, in our road of his draft, I just took Zamir white. Um, he's a guy I have some, some shares of, I have, um, a decent amount of, you know, Rashad whites, Kyron Williams, you know, guys like that, who, um, I think if they land in the right spot, I think they could, you know, have what we're looking for, which is a late season kind of surge as, as the rookie running back with fresh legs. So honestly, I've been pretty, you know, I guess I would say prospect agnostic, but just making sure that I'm always grabbing at least one or two of these guys that, you know, people are projecting to have some form of decent draft capital. Awesome stuff. Awesome. Really good stuff, Pete. Um, we're going to have you back for the Thursday edition of the show, so we're looking forward to that as we're going to dive into some listener questions and lots of stuff to cover there. But before we do let you go, the listeners should already be following you on Twitter, but if they are not, it is at Peter Overzet. But Pete, uh, I know you are branching out in the YouTube streets with a second channel, and I know you're you're crushing it over there with a, a couple of different shows, including Ship Chasing, but uh, 
you want to let the listeners know more about it or anything else you've got in the pipeline? Yeah, I decided to uh, spin up a second channel. My main channel, I do just pretty much exclusively live streaming. And so I kind of wanted a place for, you know, doing some more, uh, you know, produced videos. The first one is up there uh, on getting ready for the USFL. So if anyone is uh, needing to bide their time until uh, we get the NFL draft, we're going to have some USFL contests starting this weekend. And yeah, that channel is uh, called Peter Overzet's Deposit kingdom and uh plan to do some some more kind of strategic best ball videos up there as well and then like you said of course ship chasing every wednesday night with uh ben gretch and, and pat corain is always a good time and we've been you know mixing in both underdog and ffpc drafts uh here throughout the off season because if we've learned anything people absolutely love it uh when we draft on stream so you know not fighting it and just uh embracing it once again, thanks to Peter for coming on the show. Um, always fantastic to talk with him and uh, really enjoyed that. We covered a lot of ground talking baseball on today's episode. And, you know, real pleasure to have Peter on. Hopefully you've all enjoyed listening in. I always love when there's zero RB discussion. I know the listeners ask for it a lot. So it's uh, really good to get that in there with Peter's thoughts as well. And uh, we're looking forward for anyone who's, you know, waiting for, for show two to come out on Thursday. We have recorded already with Pete, but... We got some improv from Pete uh, at the start of the show from a, a listener submitted quote that they wanted read, and you are not going to want to miss that on Thursday's episode. I, I know you're going to want to come back and listen to the tight end advice you give and the, the different strategy we talked about managing your roster exposures, but Sean, that was one of the funniest things I've ever had on a podcast. Yeah, and not, not a surprise with Pete. We, we, we broke down, we took some time to recover, but yes, he was fantastic as always. So good on today's show, Thursday's show also fantastic so we appreciate him coming on and to get so much good best ball info and we're gonna look at some things from some different perspectives on thursday can't wait for that one but a blast as always yeah really fantastic and we did mention peter's youtube channel he's absolutely fantastic at what he does over there but if you are over on the youtube side of things click on the rotoviz podcast feed over there we are closing in on 600 subscribers we're around the uh 575 ish mark i think over the last couple of days we've had kind of an influx of people in there so uh, head on over click that button we love having people listening on the audio side of things but just to even boost those numbers up if you never intend to watch a video over there uh, we'd really appreciate it to hit that subscribe button as always you can get yourself a listeners only discount of 10 percent off a road of his nfl pass you can do that by adding the code rv radio 2022 at checkout we're going to rotaviz.com forward slash podcast for more information that is going to do it. We're going to wrap it up. We're going to get back on Thursday again with Peter Overzet. So come back. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast feed for Rotoviz Overtime to get that as soon as it comes out. That is going to do it for today's show. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. And of course, you can check out all of Sean's work up on rotoviz.com. And until we're back with another show, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast.